0: Almost live from a library near you, this is Hellion's Talks, starring The Masked Library, Kevin Hellion. He is the lauder of the long box, the hero of the hall, and he's on a mission to bag and board them all. Now the Retro Network proudly presents a talk show of comic
1: proportions.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another edition of Hellion's Talks. It's me, your host, Kevin, uh, over at masslibrary.com. And of course, Hellion's Talks is brought to you by the Retro Network. And go ahead and check out the Retro Network right now because, uh, once again, we've partnered up with HalloweenCostumes.com. Uh, recording this the first and uh, going up first week of September, it's already cooler here than it was just last week. So I'm already kind of getting in a little bit of the fall mood here. So I got to figure out uh, costumes and stuff like that. But speaking of fall and things that happened in the first week of September, you know what happens a lot then for a lot of kids, especially in New York state school starts then. And I, uh, a little secret here. I did uh, almost become a teacher for a while and then realized it wasn't for me because it takes a certain breed to be a teacher. It takes a certain attitude, a certain toughness, a certain resilience, a certain, uh, everything combined, intelligence, of course, uh, everything combined to do it, kind of person you'd like to talk to. And, and uh, geez, if you could talk to that person about comics too, well, th- that's just a bonus here. And so if you listened to last week's show from AnchorCon, I made a new friend there. I've been reading his comics and enjoying the hell out of them. And we agreed to talk a little bit more today. So welcome to the show from Correct Handed Comics, David
1: Whalen. Hey, Kevin. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for
0: agreeing to be on the show, too.
1: (laughs) That was a great intro. I loved it. Well,
0: so my... I mean, like, um, long-time listeners know about where I live and that I have a kid in school and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't tell anything for guests unless they do themselves. But I will say I was in the middle of getting ready for everything for school. And even if it's just mentally, like, okay, he's going back to school and he's going to have... He's my kids only eight. He's going to have these things happen and these things happen and these Mm -hmm. lessons. And, you know, just I get nervous for my kid because I Mm -hmm. think of good and bad times I went through at school. Mm -hmm. And then uh, my hometown had uh, some flooding. So schools actually pushed back
1: a week. Oh, wow.
0: (laughs) Because of damage to a school building.
1: (laughs) Bad news for everybody else, fortuitous and good news for the teacher, for the uh, for the um, kids. Right.
0: Oh, the kids are fine with it, yeah, yeah but I think...
1: Like, oh, no, too bad, sarcastically.
0: Yeah, they are <laughs> completely abandoning one of the school buildings because it oh, has wow. flooded before. Yep, this oh, is the gosh. worst flood they've had for it, so they got... Uh, um, If you call the school offices, it sounds like no one's answering. I'm like, yeah, because they're all probably at that school scrambling, getting everything they can out of there. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Probably got every teacher and staff that they can find over there. Ring,
1: ringing out every towel and every desk, right? Mm-hmm
0: now i know um and and i told you this and and listeners know and all uh one of my best friends is a teacher and i know what his summer is like and what his life is like his his wife is a teacher as well so i know that obviously you just took three months off his paid vacation you know because we we both hear from certain certain people whether it be online or in public there that you just you just take three months off and Mm -hmm. don't do anything Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) yeah you get it a lot unfortunately and and my response Mm -hmm. is usually well yeah because i picked a good profession so what are you (laughs) doing all day what are you doing working (laughs) working 12 months out of a year like a schmuck
0: (laughs) but i mean jokes aside like it's not like you or other teachers put in an eight hour day and, and check out and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, you know, I mean, like I, I got to imagine you've lost count of how many times, you know, it, you sit there and go, well, it's so late now. Should I just stay up the rest of the day and not go to bed tonight? Cause what's, what's the, yeah. what's the point in getting two or three hours now, but that's how long it took you to yeah. be able to grade or lesson plan or, or whatever it might be for the next day.
1: Yeah, it's definitely longer hours than people think. People, you know, say, oh, their schools only—they're only kids in school for for uh, um, 187 days or something like that. Um, but what they don't understand is the is the ridiculous amount of prep time that you need to be able to. And it's and it's hundreds of lessons, hundreds of hours, thousands of professional development hours uh, every every few years uh, to be able to continue doing what we're doing and to do it well. So you know that we may get. Uh, um, they say, quote unquote, summer's off, but it, it really is a, f- a full-time job, uh, year round to be able to make sure that you're ready for those kids. And, uh, just like the kids need, uh, that breather to be able to kind of decompress and be able to, um, get out and run and do other things. Teachers need that also, you know, every, everybody gets it on some level. Um, but when the teacher, you know, when a, a teacher starts summer break, all it really means is now we're starting the discussion and the, the, uh, preparation for the next school year.
0: Well, and you've been teaching long enough, too, that I'm sure you have certain things that you just know over the summer. Okay, I need to tweak this. The way that kids, just because of attitudes, uh, technology jumps, whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. coming
1: in, you can't teach the kids today the way you taught a kid five years ago, let's say. Oh, yeah. No, I started my teaching career in Florida uh, 15 years ago as a high school art teacher. Um, and I would say now, 15 years later, it's it's uh, a completely different. Well, not completely different. I'd say for me specifically, uh, it's definitely changed uh, the way technology has changed the way that I teach. Um, it, mostly for the good. Sometimes it makes it a little bit more difficult from from time to time. But uh, for the, for the most part, that technology is something that the kids grow up with and as an old fuddy duddy, you know, not, not growing up with it until probably let's see the mid eighties. So I was 10 or 11 years old when we first got our first, you know, the big, the big, huge honking desktop computers that you uh, played, you know, you, all you could do was write on and play like one video game. Um, and it was a bad one. I can't remember the name of it. It was like pioneer <laughs> trail or something like that. I don't Oregon know. I, trail? It, Oregon trail. That's what it yeah. was. That's what it was. Um, so, so these kids here they grew up with it just from day one uh, out of the womb, they start uh, clicking on their phones. You know what I mean? It's it's uh, something that that not only gives them a sense of comfort in the classroom, for better or for worse, pros and cons, um, but it also gives them a chance to be able to learn in an environment that they're comfortable with. So uh, um, for the the older teachers, I know it's sometimes a struggle, but uh, the the technology is is a positive thing. And it's something the kids now grow up with. Just just every day it's in front of them. Um, so to try to, to take that away, I think that's a good idea to 100% take that away from them is, is um, I think, a, a tricky situation because they, um, they know how to work it. They know how to use it. They know how to, uh, to make it uh, their own to be able to learn from it uh, and buy it. So, so that technology is, is you know, mostly positive things in the classroom. I'd say the negative things are when a teacher doesn't quite know how to use it, <laughs> which happens from time to time.
0: But I mean, uh, the two of us, uh, as we talked before, close enough in age, we had teachers that couldn't figure out how to turn on the VCR.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah, so, uh, yeah.
0: I mean, there's always going to be a teacher that just can't figure something out for God oh, knows yeah. why.
1: Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And now, then the students just sit back and laugh, and then the teacher goes, whatever, let's just do this new thing without the technology. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it, it, on some level, it does show uh, whether a teacher is prepared to be able to think on their feet. Um, and if a teacher can, the student knows it. So even if the teacher messed up or, or had problems, uh, if the student sees that a teacher is willing to, to just you know, go by the seat of their, fly by the seat of their pants, um, then, you know, that little interaction between teacher and students can, can be a positive thing also, even if the teacher isn't quite prepared with whatever technology they have or sometimes the technology just breaks down on you I've had that happen in my classroom where the technology just stops working and you go up okay guys so we're gonna adjust a little bit and usually it takes a couple seconds to figure out what we're gonna do but then they're there once they see that you don't miss a beat um then they're right there with you and they they know oh Mr. Wayland's got it so let's keep going
0: are you trying to tell me that not every school district has the most up-to-date equipment? <laughs> I, I don't know shocked. if I would
1: say that about my district. No, no, no. Out. I meant you out,
0: said yeah. you have taught for a while. I meant in yeah. general.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yes. Not every not every uh, school district has the funding for the most up-to-date uh, things in the world. <laughs> I think it's I think it's funny, and I'm a, I'm a big sports guy. I played football. I ran track. I was captain of my track team. I coached football for many many years, um, but I think it's always funny how. Um, how, uh, sports and academics always seem to like for, for pro football and college, they always seem to have money flow and no problem. But if you need a science kit for 30, you know, 30 freshmen, oh, suddenly the money's really tight. You know, it's just, uh, seems to be a little lopsided, um, um, lopsided way to think about the, the needs and the wants of the students.
0: And, and I mean, that's just our society that we created. Yeah. <laughs> for, yeah. Uh, I remember um, doing band at one point just because I, I so wanted to play saxophone when I was a kid.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it was, well, where's the money for band? Well, there isn't any. Well, what are we supposed to wear in the parade? Uh, these <laughs> outfits that have been sitting here in storage for 20, 30 years. Yeah. Uh, okay. Which football yeah. team got brand new stuff? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. you know, who's, who's show. Uh, more people came to the games than came to band practice, though. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, I always say that I hear it from time to time from administrators or from superintendents. And I they say, you know, well, we, you know, we're trying to save money for whatever reason for this or that. And, and my, you know, thoughts, I, I don't say it out loud. I'm a low man on the totem pole. I'm just a, you know, a measly art teacher in an elementary school in upstate New York. So I've got zero pull. But my thought is, well, you know, we're, we're not there to make money, we're there to spend it, so that the kids can go out in the world and not be a community of, of idiots. Yeah, you know I mean, like when people say, you know, that don't have kids in the school district, why should my taxes go to school? Well, because you want to live in a, a community of not dumb people, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I guess so. But um, it really is a, it's you know, f- forward thinking into our future is is has been a problem um, in our society. I'm getting too political, aren't I? Uh, in our society, <laughs> too, uh, as, as of late. But um, uh, but if we you know just gave a little bit more care to um, the school system. Uh, I think that uh, we would notice in a, in a generation uh, that uh, there'd be some some more problem-solving and critical thinking going on than there is right now.
0: Well, it's it's the attitude for a community as well. Um, mm-hmm. If I go, you know, every so often, Pine Sky Daydream, what's a town, a city that I could see myself living in for the rest of my life, retiring, being and having everything right there in mm-hmm. that area, not having a need or want to go elsewhere it usually ends up being a college town that's in my mind Yeah, Yeah. because you have concerts, you have bookstores, you have events, you have sports, you have everything to entertain or educate yourself there Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. of the college supporting it. And then usually the communities around there, you you end up with like tons of cool little shops, great places to go eat, (laughs) like, Mm. you know, uh, trails or, or, you know uh, a use of the outdoors for various things like you have stuff to do because yeah. here is a place of education and a look at all the resources and everything that comes in with it yeah. and then i look at other towns like my hometown yeah well there's a community college there but there's not a college college and mm-hmm. oh look there's also a lack of people doing certain things too yeah
1: yeah, I think you know all the problems we have in society. That they're they're all symptoms of the greater the greater issue, and the greater issue is is maybe our lack of focus in our educational system.
0: Well, and you also mentioned earlier, uh, like a teacher being able to adapt with technology.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: But I also, I mean, for me, working at a library over the last year and a half there were many a time where here's what we think is true Monday morning and by Monday afternoon it's out the freaking window and we got to come up with a new plan. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I got to imagine for all the stuff that you went through as a teacher Mm -hmm. and whether it's being remote or, or, you know, whatever, depending on on the month, the week, the day, Mm -hmm, (laughs) sometimes Mm -hmm. what happened for you, if you weren't already able to adapt, like you said, or, you know, a situation comes up in the classroom, something's not working, I, I need to go left when I was going to go right. Mm-hmm. You had to do that for nearly for an entire year, pretty much. With
1: it. Yeah, like, course, you know, were, it was difficult. Yeah, It was difficult. Yeah,
0: and I mean, art, especially like my kid, uh, the math teacher could just say something like, oh, hey, do pages two through five, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is. Like that's that's an easy one to do. You can't do that with art. Yeah. You can't. Just- yeah,
1: it was it was a lot of Google Meets and a lot of videos, you know, recording videos and a lot of trying to find kids that uh, and parents that weren't uh, connecting to it and and you'd have kids go missing for weeks at a time and have to go find them and and you know I had uh, some of the regular classroom teachers come to me and regular classroom teachers are like twenty to twenty four kids they try to keep it in that range in the school district I live in. Um, but, uh, for, for me, it was every student in the building, which is f- for over 400 kids. So while a regular classroom teacher had 20 some kids that they needed to try to find if they went missing or whatever, you know, it, what it wasn't, um, the, the 400 plus kids that I had to, to, uh, to be able to kind of wrangle in some, you found some, you didn't some were graded coming on meet, some were, you know, touch and go with it. Um, it was, it was really a year that, uh, um, that tested, Uh, Patience on for the teacher and for the the students and for the parents. It was it was rough. It was rough on everybody Um, But I think that the students that put the effort in really it really showed for them and the students students that just kind of you know Kind of wishy-washy their way through it um, I think we'll start to see a little bit of that can maybe shine through a little bit this year, too, unfortunately.
0: Well, I mean, a wise man that we're both familiar with said, with great power comes great responsibility. (laughs) You know, so, hey, kids, you got the the power to be at home and kind of write your own schedule in a way, but you have the responsibility to actually do it at some point. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. And it's, you know, that's, that's what we try to say, you know, the, your education is in your hands. We can give you the information. We can do the fun stuff with you. We can talk up here to we're blue in the face. We could do as many projects as it is, but if you're not, um, if as a student, you're not invested in your own um, brain power, um, then there's nothing any teacher could do uh, good or, you know, how ama- it could be the most amazing teacher in the world. If the student isn't doesn't care about their own future or doesn't realize that this is for their own future, then it's just not going to, it's not going to go well for them, unfortunately. But um, you can catch some kids from time to time uh, um, realizing, oh, I better start paying attention. Um, and it's, that's a good feeling when they do that.
0: I, I mean, I kind of think that that's lots of different situations in life. Mm-hmm. God knows I've had a few where it's, oh, I've been going this path for way too long. It's time I got course correct here real fast. <laughs> or else I'm going to be yeah. in trouble.
1: Oh, still, I'm 46 years old. I course correct all the time. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I, I can't remember if you and I did that because I, I have been known to say it a lot, but it's the um, where are the real adults? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. when, you, when yeah. you're a kid and you think mom and dad or, you know, grandma and grandpa, whoever, pay all their bills on time and got their stuff together and.
1: Yeah. You know, don't don't have any problems. <laughs> I hate to say it, but that's us. And and uh, I think uh, uh, I think kids probably see us that way, um, you know, for 18 and under, maybe even like 25 and under see our generation. You know, people in their late 30s into into their 50s, they probably see it as. Um, you know, all oh, they get to do whatever they want. They, you know, that, that old thing that you're, you know, you spend your whole youth trying to get old, trying to be old, or you spend your old, your whole uh, old age trying to trying to feel younger. Um, and it really is a, you don't really learn that until what 42 where you're like, Oh, I, you know, I like, let's just be this age right now. Let's just do this right now and not worry about being younger or worry about being older or anything like that.
0: No. Cause I'm, I'm 43 and I've given up on, I don't have to hide that I like comics or that I like wrestling or anything. What what does that matter? Who am I trying to impress? The cheerleader? You know, who cares? Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm not worried about that. I am worried about my own health and I've done a lot of stuff in the last couple of years to change that. Like, oh, okay, I can't really eat, you know, a bunch of garbage every night like I used to in my (laughs) younger age. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, But also, uh, I think the biggest thing I did is I gave up trying to watch or read or listen to what I'm quote supposed to listen to mm. supposed to. Oh, you haven't mm. read this. It's a classic. All right. Well, it's been
1: 43 <laughs> years. Clearly it didn't grab yeah. me for some reason. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. You know, I, I started when my kids were younger. My oldest is, is about to turn 15. Um, He is at his job right now where he just started this job three days ago. Uh, he's working in a restaurant and he loves it. Uh, A little too, in my view, he's a little too young to still be to or to still already have a job. Uh, Hmm. But uh, but this is where we are. But I started when I was I was not not a I was an okay reader when I was a kid. I did a lot of choose your own adventures. Um, Not not just comic books. Clearly, I read comic books and loved it. But I think I did you know a novel from time to time. Um, But when my kids were uh, young, when my son was born, we did a thing called rock and read which was I would put him in a swing and he would swing and, you know, whether it was to take a nap or whether it was just for fun. And I would read a book to him and it started off with just children's books that I would read. And I was like, why, you know, he's, he's, all he's really doing is hearing the sound of my voice. He's not, uh, you know, as a baby, not, um, not connecting with the story yet. So why don't I read something that I've never read before that everybody's like, Oh, you should read, you should read, like you said, you should read this book. You have to read this book. So I started reading, the classics. I started reading like the odyssey and um, oh, you went the all Odds. the way back. All <laughs> the way back. Yeah. I started doing like things that I, ones that I everybody knows the story, but never, you know, most people probably don't read them. Like um, Moby Dick, um, um, uh, H- Huck Finn, Tom Sawyer, those, those kind of around the world in 80 days. Um, just a bunch of, and even found some books that, uh, um, that were ones that I uh, wouldn't wouldn't normally pick up i got into a big uh a big uh, kick with uh, an artist named i think it's oh man james john where he did um uh historical fiction and it was from the beginning of the colonization of the american colonies all the way up into world war ii hmm. uh, and it was like a, a series of like nine books and I read them. They were the, like not, not in like, tiny little books. They were really thick books. <laughs> and I started reading them and just could not Wait, stop. Wait, is it within, John?
0: Is it John Jakes?
1: John Jakes, that's what it is. John Jakes. yeah. that is okay.
0: Yeah. My my parents, when they were still together, bought that entire series. So we're oh, talking yeah. like. Early mm-hmm. to mid-70s.
1: Yeah, he did it, North and South, which they made into yep. a series in the 80s. Yeah, yep, yep.
0: my mom still has the entire series. And like once a year, both of them say, you guys sit down and read this. Like they are so <laughs> proud and so happy oh, to boy. have the entire series.
1: Oh, yeah. If, I mean, if you like historical fiction, it's, it's riveting. It's riveting. Um, to the point where you know big thick books, and I'm not the fastest reader in the world. It's one of the reasons I became a teacher to help those kids who who um, uh, who maybe struggled uh, with reading or math or things like that, and I could help them out through the arts. Uh, but if you if you like historical fiction, they're they're the way to go. There's another one. Uh, Leon Urus is another great author. Uh, he's a he's a uh, Irish author. He did books like Trinity um, about the Irish okay, Revolution. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's it's again it's a, it's a big book, but it's a it's a great read, and I read that one through with the, with my son on, on on a rocket reads, and I'll be honest, it's you know been 14 years since I've done any rocket reads, and I miss it. <laughs> I wish my son would just sit in a swing and let me read to him, but he doesn't let me do that anymore. I didn't get I I tried
0: it as well Um, I couldn't get him in swing I couldn't get him into anything but just like at night Mm -hmm. um, wanting because we always had some sort of sound at night when he or or during a nap time or whatever because we didn't want him to not be able to fall asleep unless it was dead quiet like that doesn't help any of us so I would just say well I'm sitting here reading a book let me just read it out loud yeah and then it became a they're swearing in the book. I was like, he's an infant. He's not aware of swearing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. That's a, that's a, I don't, you know, I don't remember if I, if I ever came across that problem. Um, But yeah, that would be like, oh, do I, now of course do I read, we just got finished reading um, The Old Man of the Sea. Uh, And it's a hard, it's a hard read if you're, if you're not a big fan of Hemingway. Mm -hmm. Uh, The kids, the kids got into it. Um, and I tried my best to be as dramatic with it as I could. Uh, but uh, um, it's, you know, those kind of things that uh, um, reading something like that out loud to your kids at 15 and 13 years old, sometimes they roll their eyes. But then once once you get into the story, I think they get into it. It's um, probably get to the point where they won't sit down for us anymore. But uh, uh, my wife is reading uh, Diary of Anne Frank to them. Um, oh, so wow. those kind of things, it's, it's fun stuff, stuff that we know that they're going to come across in their academics at some point. So just trying to give them a little bit of a, a leg up. I did Lord of the Flies a couple, couple of years back and my, believe it or not, my son hated it. Really? Yeah. I thought, I thought it was going to be the book that got him into reading, but he did not care for it. My daughter loved it. Um, but my son was like, I don't want to read this anymore. I'm like, well, we're halfway through, so let's just finish it. And, uh, and he got up, and I was like, what was your favorite part? And he said, the end, when we were done reading it. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, he's pretty positive with things like that. Usually, he, he finds something fun in it. But it was I was so surprised that he just was so against the Lord of the Flies. Funny stuff. You just never well, know.
0: Well, because the movie, which, geez, must be like 30 years now. Mm-hmm. now okay. Like, that was huge when we were kids. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, granted, what, what kid right now wants to watch a 30-year-old movie, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I keep pushing Star Wars. My kid's only eight, and I keep pushing Star Wars like once a week. He's just not mm. having it yet.
1: Yeah, my kids will not watch Star Wars or Star Trek. Anything with a star in it, they, they're not fans of. So nah. I barely got them to sit down to watch the, the original Superman movie. Um, but really? they they did, but they and they enjoyed it, or at least they told me they enjoyed it, and I'll take it. I'll take that as a win. Uh, but yeah, there, they're, I, t- I make my joke. I make jokes to my wife when they were growing up. Uh, you know, trying to do action figures and superheroes and things like that. They had none of it, and I said, "I'm the I'm the only father in the history of the world that has two kids that do not like superheroes," and I am a comic book artist and love superheroes. So it was just a little a uh, little bit of irony that, uh, that I, had to, I had to swallow that pill down pretty hard.
0: So did you... Uh, and I mean, comics being... Uh, you, of course, know firsthand. Mm-hmm. Um, being such a different medium, you can't really just read it because it is the art and the writing together that mm-hmm. makes a comic. But did you try to read any comics to them
1: at any age? Yeah, yeah, we did. I would, I would sit down and really try to um, um, find something that I thought would be visually appealing to them so i would go through and find like calvin and hobbes not really comic books but comic strips mm-hmm. um, calvin Hobbes was a big one when i, I love still love it um as an adult but uh, it was a big one for me as a kid uh peanuts yeah. i would do that and then try to gradually get them into things that um that were more superhero-y but not so deep and not so violent. Um, I'm trying to think of. of uh, oh, there was a couple Spider Mans that I would read to him from time to time, um, but uh, they just they didn't really they didn't really seem to catch on with it. They they love the Big Nate books, which has which has visuals in it. It's kind of a half graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Um, if for any, anybody out there has never seen those, um, so I, I give them that. I'm like that's that's fine. That's great. Um, that they love those so it's kind of like half written and half uh, half novelization and half graphic novel Um, so that's really about as far as they've gone into comic books which is absolutely fine just because i like it doesn't mean they need to like it also
0: right and and that's been one of my things that i need to learn and and admit to myself and and take forward um, he won't go, he has no interest in comics, but he'll watch the superhero movies. Mm. Uh, when I say I'm going to the comics bookstore, do you want to go? No, that's lame. <laughs> but mm. he has read um, a bunch of the Diary of the Wimpy Kid books, which, let's mm. face it, is a graphic novel. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it doesn't look exactly the same, but it is. And then yeah. he's doing, a, what is it, Last Kids on Earth. Um, uh, mm-hmm. po- Like, kid zombie thing. And I oh, love cool. the and i was like yeah like dude these are comics you know it's not quite the same style that you're used to seeing me read but these are comics but then i was reading um something is killing the children a couple weeks ago uh from who's it from image i think Mm -hmm. and he walks by and sees the title i go oh god <laughs> Here we go. So yeah it's a comic here's a monster it's not for real are you scared nothing's out there it's a story okay do we know what fiction is yeah okay let's go ahead <laughs> from there. do you now have you ever tried to i mean especially with you being an art teacher have you ever tried to pull the comic influence into the classroom and use
1: that as a teaching method One hundred percent. Yeah. A lot of my curriculum um, from kindergarten to all the way to fifth grade is taking the elements of art, line, shape, form, value, texture, color and space and trying to use it to be able to draw um, objects in the real world. You know, a lot of it um, is is trying to make sure I tell the kids all the time it's art is not about drawing pretty pictures. You can do that with art, but art is about seeing and understanding your world better. So what I try to do is make sure that they have an understanding of if you have something in front of you, how do you break it down from the details of the thing as one big thing, say it's a, a car, it doesn't matter what it is, um, and how do you take that object with all of its details and all of its complexities and all of its it's lots of stuff going on, and how do you break that down into its basic parts into a th- the three-dimensional forms, into the two-dimensional shapes, into the lines that you need to make all those things to be able to build it in a, on a, as, a, uh, as a, the illusion of a three-dimensional drawing on a flat two-dimensional plane. Um, and I use the same techniques that artists have used for millions and millions of years, but I try to build it up into, once they get into the fifth grade, be able to uh, create their own comic book page. And I tell them that their story can be five panels, four, four to five panels. It can be anything you want it to be. It can be monsters. It can be superheroes. It can be a love story. It can be you walking down the street and you slip on a banana. It does not matter to me, as long as you have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And I see those three-dimensional forms as objects that we've been talking about for the last for for the fifth graders the last six years. Um, and usually, I get some really good stuff. Um, there'll be some kids who are really into it and are putting as many details and trying to get all that stuff in there. And we go over the human figure and how to use three-dimensional forms to build the human figure. Um, and that can be tough for a fifth grader. So I try to make it as simple as I possibly can, but then you'll have some that are just going through the motions to try to get the project done. Um, and that's fine. As long as they're doing it respectfully, It's, it's okay. It's not for everybody, but I know from looking at their paper, if they, after six years, have a better understanding of how to see and understand the world around them with those lines to shapes to forms to objects in the real world
0: you know i never i never really thought of it that way because i mean i've had thoughts but i never knew how to articulate it like that Mm. i think one of the things whether it be art whether it be comics honestly writing too is the intimidation Mm-hmm. of you see how other people do and how good that they are yeah. and you feel like i will never be that good mm-hmm. no one's asking you to be that person though they're asking you to be yeah. your own person yeah. so for you to say i'm not looking for you to be perfect i'm looking to see that you have learned and you've paid attention and you can put that out there in your own way in your own style Oh yeah. like you're not, I'm not asking you to be Jack Kirby with your panels. I'm not asking you to draw realistic like Alex Ross. I'm asking for you to draw you and show me that you have learned.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I try from the very beginning for them to get the words out. I can't, and I don't know how to. My answer is, yes, you can, and you will once I teach you and you and you start to practice at it. You'll know how to. It's okay. And I, I tell them all the time, too. What, what I do is the kids get mad at me sometimes because they I don't give them erasers. Wow! Yeah, exactly. I've had parents come up to me, "Why don't you give them erasers?" And I, you know, and I'll explain to them that uh, that if I were to give elementary kids erasers, they would spend 20 minutes of a 40 minute class erasing one Mm -hmm. line that they draw over and over and over again. So I try to let get them understand that just pushing forward, make that mistake, live in that mistake. Push forward. You're gonna make mistakes. It's okay. The world is not going to open up underneath you and suck you into it, and you're dead all of a sudden. Though you will be okay if you make a mistake. Have that line be on your paper, and either ignore that line and move forward, or use that line to make something else that you that you love or that you are proud of or that you want to make it into. Um, so the the um, the idea of mistakes in my class is kind of like. Uh, get that get that out of your brain. One, because you're going to make them, and two, because there are no mistakes, because if you learned, it's not a mistake. If you learn from what you did and why you did it quote-unquote wrong, then how can you either not do that thing again, or how can you use that mistake to be able to make it better?
0: Okay, so where do you think that that came for yourself? Did it come from teaching? Did it come from sports? Did it come from family did did you have to push yourself for it because i think one of the things that many creators have no matter what it is you're creating is this horrible sense of doubt yeah and 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 just thinking like oh uh this is gonna suck no one's gonna like everyone's gonna hate it i need to keep trying but then it becomes a paralysis of you're trying to make it so perfect that you don't actually get it out there
1: for the world Yeah. Yeah. You know, as a kid, uh, I confidence was never my problem as a child. (laughs) Uh, I am the second oldest of six kids. Um, So I was. Yeah. So I was the one that my parents pushed out in the crowd and said, go make friends. And I I said, "Okay, great. And and, you know, jumped before I looked and all that kind of stuff, Um, you know, for me. And there but there was that that um, um, I wouldn't say it was debilitating, but that idea of I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. I'm not in for 15 years, you know, as you, as you grow and become an adult, 15 years, I'm not ready. Yet. I'm not ready yet. Um, until, um, and always still working on it in the back of your brain, always still drawing, always still creating, always still getting better as a teacher, always still trying to be better at communicating visually. Um, but at 1.7 years ago now, um, I was in the classroom with kids and we were all drawing and we were having a good time and, and talking about comic books. And it just kinda was like, I, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready to start getting these books together and start putting out some, some content. And, and within that, that, that week after I said that I, I had, I had a good chunk of the first book that I published on my own ready to go. Um, and from there, I think it just like, I, I, tell my wife, she's like, well, when, are you, when are you done with this? I'm like, I'm never going to be done. I'm going to be on my deathbed and I'm going to have a pencil in my hand and I'm going to be drawing out panels <laughs> and I'm going to be saying, publish this tomorrow. <laughs> so I, it's just, I'm never in from that experience of knowing that I knew I was finally ready to be able to communicate the, the stories that I wanted to communicate and tell the stories that I wanted to tell once I started doing it. And I'm not saying I didn't, after that, there weren't mistakes and there weren't like, oh, that panel stinks or all this is this story good enough or oh, am I good enough? am I, all, all that you know doubt uh, rushes over you from time to time. Um, but for me, w- after the, the initial, I'm ready to do it, it was just keep moving forward just keep moving forward. You're getting, you're, you're, you're doing it, just keep moving forward. And seeing my own progression as a, as a creator for me was also the fun the fun part. Seeing from issues one to two, I'm working on 17, issue 17 right now, The Offspring. Um, and seeing my progression as a, as a uh, storyteller and as a visual communicator uh, for me is, is worth more than any millions of dollars I could make by optioning it as a movie. Um, not that that wouldn't be a good thing if that happened right but you want to say uh, no yes but um but it's definitely been a a great journey for me that i am nowhere done nowhere near being done with
0: no and and that's the thing uh you do see you know you go into a local comic shop or on a comic site and oh this one just got optioned for a movie or tv show or whatever and Mm -hmm credit to whoever created it. Um, I saw Noctera apparently just got optioned and they're only up to issue
1: six, maybe. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, all right, good for you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, He knew the right people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He knew the right people.
0: But for all the stories that you do though, is there uh, like in my mind, because I'm, I'm not there yet. And, and in the conversations you and I have already have, and I have a feeling there'll be future ones as well. (laughs) Um, I have ideas in my head too for stuff, which mm-hmm. is just in there. I haven't done anything with it, but I also know that uh, it helps me at work. Okay, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this today. If I have five things on my list and I get four done, I'll feel accomplished. What do I got to do when I get home? I got to do laundry. Got to do dishes. Got to take care of cats. You know, blah mm-hmm. blah. But if I'm checking this stuff off, I feel better. Yeah. In a way, with all of the comics you've put out already. Do you, is there a part of your brain that kind of frees up of, okay, I have told that story now, check. Mm. I can now free up that part of my brain that's been dying to get that story out here, Mm. and I can move on to the next issue, or or a different story, or a different idea entirely.
1: Yeah, I'd say that's kind of why I started the One-Shot series, because I had been um, probably eight or nine issues into The Offspring, and I kept on... um, kept on coming up with stories that wouldn't fit The Offspring and weren't any particular genre. Uh, these these different stories, they're, they're all different kinds of genres. Um, so I decided that, I think it was after issue uh, eight or nine of The Offspring, I said, okay, now I'm going to start putting out some black and white one-shots. Um, and it was really to, to, to kind of scratch that itch that you were talking about to scratch that itch of, of, you know, now this story is I want to tell a story, you know, like a detective noir type, uh, dark thriller. Now I want to talk about aliens. Now I want to talk about, now I want to do a superhero thing, which I didn't think I'd ever want to do a superhero thing. Cause it's already been done a bazillion times, but I think I came up with something that was a little bit different, uh, than what most superhero stories are. So that's why I wrote, uh, and drew uh, my superhero story i won't stop um and then uh the last one i put out was a uh, very much a love letter to like 80s slasher movies like uh, friday the 13th nightmare on elm street which i loved growing up and my parents did not know i watched <laughs> so it was it was really um once i get one of those done um it's it's not a feeling of okay i did a slasher book now I, now i'm never gonna do that again it's a uh, I've got, I've got other genres that I also want to do fun stuff with. If I come back to, cause uh, people have been already been asking me, is there going to be a sequel to the sock up killer? Uh, the threat, the, the slasher, uh, 24 page one shot, I put out a couple of months back. Um, they keep asking, is there going to be another one? Is there going to be a sequel? And I said, well, you know, keep buying it. If you <laughs> keep buying it, I'll write another one. I'll do another one. Um, so really for me, it's about, um, about kind of scratching my itch of, of all the different genres that I enjoy writing and that I enjoyed, uh, watching his shows or reading his books growing up. Um, and always coming back to, to my, the grounding of the offspring and the, the long-term story I want to tell with them.
0: Well, and we talked already about it. And uh, my apologies again to you and to readers of the blog and listeners. Um, with me going through my own stuff, my, I am behind on my to read pile. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to be able to talk to you about more of the stuff, but it'll be coming. And so everyone will have stuff to look forward to, but let's, let's go with the one I immediately grabbed. And I got to say from all of your output and your table, when we met anchor con and stuff that I'll probably get in the future. There was nothing there. Just me as a reader, there was nothing there that I had zero interest in. It was Mm -hmm. more, what do I have the most interest in sure. because I have limited funds, you sure, know, like sure, sure. everything, yeah. um, but everything that was there, you, you would tell me, Oh, here's the story here. I'm like, damn it. That sounds good too. <laughs> but not sure when I'm not here. Yeah. So out of my pile, well, a pretty good stack that I got over here mm-hmm. to my side. Uh, first one I grabbed was, will aliens do my homework? Mm. And for listeners, and, and and we'll do the sites and the plugs and stuff at the end here, but for listeners, Dave and I were talking, and he told me about it, and it is alien invasion during a school day, pretty much. And I said, huh, this sounds kind of like Red Dawn, in a way, and us both being, I think we're technically Gen X. Yes. Um, I, I, you know, we we're saying, oh, yeah, that's a touchstone, and, and I could see that, too, but that's not what the story is. mm mm-hmm. And I'm reading it, and you're absolutely right. That's not Mm -hmm. what the story is. Now, first page or two, yes, there's an echo because it's such a part of our childhood in a way. But then, oh my gosh, I absolutely loved it. We talked a little bit beforehand, uh, before the official recording, for just the pacing of it, the attitude, and very much just... It is a story about a teacher that is so obviously written by a teacher and me <laughs> with, you know, uh, again, best friends, and teacher, I have dated teachers. I almost was one. I was, uh, I don't know what I was at college. I wouldn't say teacher's assistant. I would say mm-hmm. like um, the tag along, <laughs> but <laughs> enough stuff that like, I have seen a lot of this firsthand as well mm. of, Hey, kid, there's something serious going on here. Maybe think about someone other than yourself for two. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I think I feel like it also showed in the story, and and maybe projecting maybe just what you've experienced as well, it also shows a selfless nature of teachers, also. Like, hey, I have many families entrusting me with their kids for six hours, give or take here. Mm -hmm. If something happens, it's on me. And the teacher in the story, just, okay, I got to get these kids out of here. How am I going to get them out? What am I going to do next? What am I going to do next? I'm not prepared for this. There's not a lesson plan, Mm
1: -hmm. but again,
0: like we talked earlier, I got to adapt to this new situation. Mm -hmm. And all I need to do is make sure every kid is still right here. Oh my God. And and you had, uh, again, uh, before recording, but just so listeners know, there's a panel in here that is just a jump from relief and maybe we'll be okay into absolute terror. There's a feeling of being surrounded and claustrophobic, but also isolated and alone at the same time. Like I, a page I absolutely loved, I went nuts for. I'm like, all right, I'm, I, like this is not that our conversations didn't do a lot. But in that moment, I'm like, all right, I'm just in. Whatever you do, I'm in. <laughs> like, this is fantastic. Thanks, I was, Kevin. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um. I, I had to go out and buy more bags and boards because you're nice enough to autograph them as well. I got to keep them nice and neat there for whenever that million dollar movie deal comes through.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, we talked about it earlier, but I think that uh, for, for Aliens Do My Homework, it was, it was, um, it happened. Fairly quickly, uh, it it was already I was deep into one shots. I had four or five one shots already in the queue, ready to go, mostly plotted out some script, some, you know, some scripted and was ready to go with with a couple other uh, one shots of different genres. And I was walking around my classroom. And I and I was just talking with the kids, and, and my brain just went to what would happen if aliens attacked right now? What how, what would happen? How would I how would I handle that? And uh, within the you know the the rest of the day, the three or four hours I had left in the day, I, I had it thumbnailed out as the the entire from the beginning to end the story. Um, and it was and, and everything else. Once I had that thumbnail, every other book in the queue got pushed to the side uh, <laughs> because I knew that that was going to be the next one shot that I put out. I believe it's a third one shot in, in the series of four that I have out right now. And, uh, um, and, I, and I went through a couple adjustments. It started off with a male teacher. And I said, nope, this got to be a female teacher. It started off. It wasn't during the winter. And I said, well, I've got to make this harder on them. So it's going to be in the winter <laughs> and there's going to be snow on the ground. Um, and I and the, the, the beginning, I had a different beginning uh, uh, f- originally, but I wanted to show that this teacher um, was already having a bad day. And it's kind of that like that, like, oh, how could this day get any worse? <laughs> and then the uh, shoot, you know, fast forward to the to aliens blowing up the school.
0: well and then the crazy thing for it too um yeah it's a one shot Mm -hmm. this could so easily be a movie so easily and you know stretch something out expand on something but then it Mm -hmm. could also you could continue this too Mm
1: -hmm.
0: like now we know that this teacher was able to keep her cool and get herself together and get the students together Mm -hmm in the face of something that she never has experienced before in her life that no one there had. Yeah. And she's cool, that's someone that you want to see what happens next for.
1: Yeah, I try with all my one shots to, to have it be a beginning to end story, but also make sure there's a lot more there there. Um, so if somebody does say, hey, are you going to do another one with this character? There's enough, there's enough there to be able to uh, do something else with those characters. I, I try to make sure that there's a lot in between you know, in between the lines, uh, and that's definitely true for Will uh, I To Do My Homework. I had people, you know, they'd read it and they'd say, well, what about this? Well, what about this? Well, what about this? I said, yeah, these are all amazing things that could <laughs> that could be expanded upon um, if we do uh, Will I am To Do My Homework, too. So uh, um, so it's, you know, most of the, the one shots that I put out have a lot more meat to their bones than just, um, I was about to say on the surface, but it's not really on the surface. There's a, there's a lot to dig into, um, I feel, in my one shot. So uh, I try to make sure that... Just like every, you know, you come across these people in life and you realize there's more than what you're seeing in front of you. So even if you do get to spend a month, a day, a day, a month, a year with them, whatever it is, there's still more that you're going to be uncovering uh, from that person. So I try to do the same thing with my protagonists in my stories is there's, give little hints here and there that there's definitely more uh, than what we're seeing just on the page. Well,
0: there's also... Uh, talking about there being more um there can also be less and what i mean by that is you mentioned the idea came to you and you kind of were had it in your head for a couple hours there and then immediately pushed it to the front Mm -hmm. i do think that there's sort of a inspiration of story and if you don't act on it the idea is gone oh yeah or it's in your head too much, and then all of a sudden you're, you hear about a new comic, new show, a new whatever, and go, oh, my God, I had that idea. I had that same yeah. idea, but I never did anything with it.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you uh, – but
0: i got to imagine there's also, uh, on the other side, that there are ideas like this that come to you right away. But there's also probably, especially with Offspring, with it – or uh, I'm assuming here, with it going for a while. Mm-hmm. You must have moments of writer's block as well. Of well, where is this going to go? What's going to happen next? And it's got. I, I would mention that it's frustrating when how come I get this idea in two seconds, but this one I can't. I just can't break the story and see where it's going next. Here,
1: yeah, yeah, it can be tough. You know, I I have that problem mostly with the twenty-four page one shots. There will be times where I have a great concept, but then I can't quite, like I said, can't quite crack the story. Can't quite figure out what. Um, what the the underpinning theme is what the what's the the uh, the the thing that's happening that i want to stress the most to be able to reach that crescendo that climax in the story um that'll happen from time to time and i'll I'll put it to the side and i'll be like i said put put it you know push it to the side of the queue and Pull something else up uh, to be able to see if I can, you know, figure something else out for another for another twenty-four pager. Um, for the offspring, I have had those characters since I was seventeen years old. Um, they at this point are real people to me <laughs> in a <laughs> in a nut job crazy kind of way. Um, they they're all pulled all their personalities are pulled from people that I've known in my real life and been a has been, have been a part of my life so. So to say that I, you know, know these characters like I know myself would be a bit of an understatement. So I, I, knowing that, that I've had it for this long, I, I know what my fiftieth book is going to be. Issue fifty, I've already got it in my brain. So wow. trying to get to if to issue fifty. Um, and trying to find all those those uh, threads to be able to thread it all together, and to be able to make sure that from issue one to issue 25 to issue 50, the story flows um, at, a, at a at a you know a logical pace. Sometimes an illogical pace because there's there's some crazy stuff that happens in the in the first 13 um, issues that starts to kind of blow the story wide open. You're like, why were they doing this in issue four? And then you get to issue 10, you're like oh, that's crazy. <laughs> um, or at least I hope that's a reaction people have. So, um, so for me, The Offspring, it's not about the, the overall story. It's about those, um, the, the getting blocks. It's about getting those, uh, those little stories inside of the overall stories that really show the characterization, really show who, who these students are. Um, I was, uh, Thumbnailing out issue 17 and 18, which is going to be a two-parter. I try to break them some of the two-parters up after big storylines, which I've had two two big st- two three-parters right back to back. So now I'm kind of separating down into two-parters that kind of focus on each of the individual uh, um, characters um, a little bit more to give them a little bit more of a high like a like a spotlight. So trying to make sure that I'm not only pushing the big story. Uh, of um, trying to push the big story forward, but also trying to give them little bits of characterization throughout and little bits of growth throughout and little bits of understanding that the, the issue, some of the issues that these, these characters have are not ever going to be resolved because of the, the, the issues that they have with their family lives and the abuse that they've had to deal with. Um, and for me, that makes it even more realistic because people go their entire lives and never, never be able to reconcile those kind of problems and it's not a you know three issue story arc and all the problems are solved and now everybody's perfect it's a we had a three issue story like the story arc the the issue was 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 figured out but i'm never gonna be 100 percent okay in my brain in my heart um and those are that i think for me the part that makes the offspring really um, really different or a really different kind of story. It's because these characters won't ever 100% be okay. And I think that's how a lot of people feel in the real world. Sometimes
0: I would, I commend you for having a story like that. I think more is needed. We do see more now, mm-hmm. but I, I, I say it's the sitcom logic to things. And unfortunately there's some people that act that way in real life as well mm-hmm. of, let's do this. It'll be jokes for a half an hour and then it will never be mentioned again.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Or let's do a very special episode. (laughs) Maybe it's two half hours and then it's never mentioned again, but that's not how any of this works in real life. And you know, Oh, let's open a business and we have a bunch of jokes and the business fails. And then the episode we go, Oh, well, and moving on next week, we never discuss again. That, it's something that would destroy someone's finances for the rest of their life Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know if this actually happened here Mm. and and i'm just talking something like that you have you know your very special ones or or breakups or let's do an abuse episode or whatever it might be Mm -hmm. and it's never talked again but that follows the person around for years and i mean i unfortunately i think we all know people They'll be like, no, it'd be fun to do this week. Let's do this. No, you can't just go and do that. There mm-hmm. are repercussions, there are yeah. there are ripples out from just doing something like this. Yeah. Maybe oh, yeah. that's being an old man here talking. Mm-hmm. But we had so much media that didn't do anything about that. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, to tell the story and the joke, but not really doing anything with the mental part of it. Mm-hmm. Um so I got to tell you, I appreciate anyone really bringing that in. Yes, comics and all and entertainment should be escape in a way, mm-hmm. but it should also be maybe you putting that out there is an example that a reader
1: needs to feel like they're not alone, though. Yeah, everybody wants to feel represented. Um, and I feel that, uh, that uh, The Offspring does that. I think the three, soon to be four main characters over the next few, uh, few issues, um, the right now three main characters, I think they each have something that everybody can connect to. Um, each they each have problems or issues, and they're all they're all three of them are, are different issues, different problems, different personalities, different ways that they deal with things. Um, a great example for for me is the the last issue that I put out, issue 16. Um, I'm big into, I really love the last page. Um, Big splash page to be able to get you to the next issue or to 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 end the story. Like my in my uh, 24 page one shots, I try to end the story in a really big way to be able to make sure you know, boom, that's the you know that's that's the end for now kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I ended issue 16 a little bit differently. Um, I ended issue 16 with kind of a joke, Uh, and and I'd never done that before. It's it's more than it's like a, a regular four like four to five panel page um, and it's kind of breaking down what just happened to them a very traumatic experience that just happened to them and and one of the characters makes a joke um, and the other characters are kind of like that's not now you know we've, we've got to deal with this thing let's go do that thing And, uh, and I, my editor and I, we, we kind of went back and forth. Is this the right place for this joke? Is this appropriate? Is the, the joke is funny? And my editor was like, yes, the joke is funny, but does it belong on the last page? So we're like, okay, can I move it to the, you know, three pages before? And I'm like, I don't think it really fits there. And then I started to realize that, that I didn't really write the joke. The character who Vince is the name of the character that said it, Vince was telling the joke because that's his coping mechanism. For all of the ridiculousness that not only he just went through in that three-issue story arc, but for his entire life, he, is, he has fought back the pain by telling jokes, by, by making himself the butt of the joke, um, by, by trying to relieve the tension, by making stupid jokes. And the second I realized that, I was like, this, "This joke is staying. This is staying right where it is. This is the character doing what that character would do." Um, and it really, it was really like a kind of a freeing moment for me as a writer, where I was kind of like, "Oh my gosh, these, these kids are kind of doing it on their own now," and I'm just kind of the not to sound, you know, presumed, or not to sound like I don't know art, you know, writery or anything, but I'm just kind of like the the thing that's putting it down on paper for them. Uh, does that sound weird?
0: <laughs> no, um, I believe volume one. I believe I bought volume one as well. It's. I don't want to take off my headphones to go grab it right now. Sure. If not, uh, I think that we'll mention something at the end here that would be an easy way for me to get hold of it mm-hmm. and for readers to get hold of it that you just posted like an hour or so ago. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I did. Uh, but I gotta tell you. Whether it's in my stack here, or whether I go online in a little bit, it's front of the pile because that is my coping mechanism Mm. flat out. I actually my boss pissed me off because she reads me so well, Mm. but called me out on it and said, are these jokes to actually laugh or so you don't cry? (laughs) Yeah, I go depends on which joke we're talking about mm-hmm. both depends on the day and all and it ticked me off that she you know zeroed in on that mm-hmm, yeah. but for you to have a character do that like yeah that's real mm-hmm. oh you shouldn't told that joke no i shouldn't have yeah it was a bad joke yeah the timing's wrong yeah a hundred things mm-hmm. but it's how i deal with stuff
1: exactly
0: yeah. You know, gallows, humor, inappropriateness, whatever you want to call it, and, and honestly it's kind of all of it and neither of it depending on the yeah. situation. But yeah, it's a very real way to deal with stuff. If I laugh then I'm not crying.
1: Yeah. Even yeah, it, it's, one laughing. It's that, old, yeah it's that old phrase, it's it's sometimes it's so sad it's funny. And yeah, There's just nothing else to do but laugh at it. And, you know some people would say, oh no nothing's so sad that it's funny but well, you know other people are like this cannot get any worse <laughs> and, and uh, it's in that, that moment that you you know you really start to see who those characters are and that's that's one of the reasons why I uh, really have loved uh, creating the offspring because it gives me a kind of event kind of a, vent, kind of a uh, um, an outpouring of, of different kind of character traits and different different ways to be able to handle situations that three, these three characters are in the same situation but are handling it differently but also starting to become like, I don't want to say a team like the Avengers or anything like that because it's definitely not that kind of book um, but but definitely starting to become more of a family and starting to communicate with each other better than they did from issue one all the way to issue thirteen while they're still not one hundred percent in the in a great place because it's a slow burn because I'm trying to get to issue fifty and I don't want to give away too much too fast. They are starting to realize that they're 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 more family than they are strangers um, because of the connections that they have. And and these monsters that they're fighting are the monsters on the inside, but they're really they're really um, uh, analogies for the issues that they have out in the real world well in that
0: i mean uh, granted with you being art teacher granted with the background people might think that you're in art first and figure out actual story and plot and dialogue later mm. but that's not true at all um you're already giving more detail for character development and actually well thought out well-rounded characters here then just just look back to either of us when we were younger in the nineties comic boom. Who's this mm-hmm. guy? Oh, he's a dark he's he's a superhero with a dark, mysterious past. And <laughs>
1: yeah, like, yeah. Is that
0: all you're giving me? Not mm-hmm. Like I need something more here. Yeah. Um, so for you to have characters across the board here with all sorts of you know, different personalities and a long term story. Uh, guess what? We didn't get stuff like that when we were younger. Yeah. Yeah. And th- and that's why people didn't care about it. But you have people coming back to you saying, I need more of this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's a, we, you know, we did get a lot of cookie cutter stuff too. Um, and still on some level do, I think there's, there's a lot more, uh, more depth now than there, than there was when we were growing up in the eighties and the nineties. Um, but it's not so much cookie cutter where it's just Superman doing the Superman thing or Batman's doing the Batman thing or whatever it is. It's a, uh, it's very much uh, uh, the ability to be able to show the, the, the breadth and width of emotions uh, and those character traits and those flaws uh, in human beings. I think for, for me as a writer is the really fun part. Yeah. And I
0: mean, You're absolutely right with the cookie cutter part of it. And Mm -hmm. the debate used to be uh, what sells the comic, the art or the writing. Mm -hmm. Well, one, can't we have both be good? Mm -hmm. But two, I, I'll pick up a pretty cover or pretty comic once. And if it's garbage, it's just the one time. Yeah. 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 Fool me once on it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think if, if, if it is like the most amazingly brilliant art, in the history of art but the story is is stinky <laughs> i think it'll probably still sell some books <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because artists like me and you know creators want to be able to study it be able to see it be able to to kind of get it and in as a from a writing standpoint too that'd be interesting to say they had this amazing artist but they wasted it on this this kind of story or whatever it is and again who am i to judge anybody's stories but um but i think that you can have the greatest story in the world and the art can be a little Um, shabby and people still read it, I think, because that art will, will add, you know, a different layer of depth to it, no matter what it is, you know, as long as, as long as there's some semblance of, of understanding of the visual communication that you're trying to get, you know, become, that's trying to come across. Um, I think it can be, you know, not the greatest art in the world and still sell well if it's, if the story is super strong.
0: Yeah, uh, the inker wasn't a good fit for the penciler or yeah, the colorist yeah. made it all blurry and muddy, but the story's yeah. still good. I'm going to keep going with it. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah,
1: And those are all problems you can fix along the way. If, oh, the, yeah. if the underlining concept is strong. And I think that uh, I think that's something that's especially, you know, the growth is even somebody who's been doing it for 20 years, 30 years, you know, can have a have a thing where, you know, they they continue to show growth. I hope that when I'm doing it for another 30 years, I continue to show growth as a creator. Um, And that's something that I think people um, expect um, perfection uh, right from the beginning. And that's to me, I I don't That's unrealistic.
0: I mean, I personally would enjoy seeing you grow as a writer and an artist more so than I am enjoying seeing, not not that we need to name names here, but seeing one popular artist who is just doing the same style he's done for the last 30 years (laughs) and seeing another one that keeps getting these high profile books.
1: And honestly, I think it's worse and worse as the years go on. (laughs) <laughs> I think as a child of the 80s and 90s, I bet I could figure out who you're talking about. I oh, actually met—I met that gentleman. He was very polite and very friendly, and talked to me for a few minutes. That this was New York Comic Con, geez, uh, 20 years ago, maybe, oh, maybe not that long ago. Yeah, about maybe about 20 years ago. Um, he was very gracious, um, um, so so he had that going for him. And mm-hmm. I think that I think there there are a lot of people that love that style. Um, without c- continuing, not naming names, there are a lot of people that, that love that style and, and think that um, um, and just just are able to connect to that style uh, on a on whatever level. Um, so hey, more more power to them. You know, if you keep getting those jobs. Get those jobs. Maybe needed a teacher
0: like you to rein it in, and focus <laughs> it, instead of being just like this creature of impulse and id of i want to do this now but you didn't finish this yeah but i want to do this now no you need to finish this first (laughs) yeah you
1: need to you need to have somebody there to say why don't you practice feet for a couple months (laughs) he doesn't have to to.
0: (laughs) this is like yeah hulk hogan actually wrestles in japan drop kicks uh uh holds everything why don't you do that in america because i don't have to all right yeah makes sense but something I have to do, because I, I promise you I will not keep you too, too long here. Uh, but I think we need to hype up and let people know where they can get it, including what you just posted, because I think I'm going to get on that soon.
1: Awesome. Uh, yeah, you can find links to, to all my books on our website, uh, correcthandicomics.com. The links are usually to uh, my Amazon page that shows either that individual book or uh, there will be links to my actual, my whole page that has print and digital through Amazon. Uh, if you're not a, a big fan of the Amazon overlords, you can find most of my books on comixology um, as digital downloads and I have them uh, most of the books at $1.99 for now Just trying to get the word out and trying to get a couple more books sold um, And I think uh, I'm gonna keep them at $1.99 for a little bit just to you know, keep keep uh, Getting the books in the hands of the people who want to read them um, But you just go on comiXology and, and type in correct comics and I will pop right up all all four of my one-shots uh, are up on there uh 15 issues of the offspring I'm going to get 16 up in the next couple weeks um I'll say, uh, 15 issues of the offspring are up there I have a 100 plus page graphic novel called the loved ones which is um about the children of classic movie monsters who are raised by a monster hunter uh and go out and hunt their parents um, it's a real nurture versus nature type scenario, and I, I think it's a, a fun read. Uh, it's kind of like my, my love letter to uh, classic movie monsters, which I loved uh, watching as a kid. Uh, Bella Lugosi and um, Frankenstein's monster and things like that. And then I have a four-issue miniseries uh, called Evolution Utero, which uh, kind of, again, it's a superhero. The idea of a superhero, but I kept hearing the phrase, um, you know, that they're, they're born to be a hero. Oh, they are born to be a hero like Superman or Captain America or whatever it is. And I thought, how can I use that and change it and adjust it to make something that I've never seen before? So I thought, instead of uh, they were born to be a hero, what if they weren't born yet and already showing those hero tendencies? So I thought, what about a superhero that's a fetus? I'm like, that's a good idea. And I said, okay, so the mom has to be integral to the storyline. What could I do that was cool or different? And I said, what if the mom's the biggest jerk in the world? And the mom is, it's really about parenthood, about how once you become a parent, your selfish days are over. If you're, you know, on some level, if you're I doing mean, it properly, yeah, in theory, <laughs> um, in theory, yes. Uh, so it was really after becoming a parent, it was really kind of the story that I wanted to tell about about how selfishness and your self-indulgence and your only thinking about your your yourself and the your main wants and your uh, your id and your ego um, are should be done. Uh, but what if a superpowered fetus? started growing inside of the worst woman in the world. Um, and how would that change her? How would that affect her personality? How would it affect her, her life and her situation around her? And would it cause her to start making good decisions? In some cases, in the 4 miniseries, the answer is yes. In some cases, it's, uh, it's very much a, a, a story about her fighting it out, fighting against that responsibility of that responsibility of, of something bigger than herself, which I think every, everybody can relate to on some level. Um, and, and that's, um, that's what I've got going. That,
0: that utero one was my biggest debate <laughs> and I didn't grab it. And I kick myself each time for it.
1: Yeah. It's a, I really enjoyed that one. It was the first time I tried to do a four issue, uh, mini series, um, with the idea of, of more in the future. And I've still got them. I know exactly what I want to do. The story ends, but it's kind of like my back to the future, roads where we're going, we don't need roads kind <laughs> of moment. I wanted to put that in there uh, to be able to say the story has ended, but there's more to the story. Um, and it's it's a fun one. I've, I've got a fun plan, boy, and I can't wait to get to it in the next billions of years. No, I, I'll get to it eventually. It's just a, a matter of when. I think my my plan is um, after I finish with Offspring 17, uh, I'm going to start my next 100-plus page graphic novel, which is I'm pretty sure it's going to be in black and white. I might do it in color. I haven't decided yet. But it's about um, a scientist who is dying and decides to clone himself, and he accidentally clones himself into a six-year-old boy. Uh, And it's uh, uh, the government trying to steal this technology, a dying race chasing him. It's very sci-fi, very, uh, very spaceships, stuff like that. Very cool stuff going on. Uh, A a dying alien race is trying to uh, capture him to get the technology from him to save their, to save their species. Um, And it's uh, a lot more big, epic um uh, sci-fi space than i've ever tried to do before but i think i've got a solid concept i think i've got great characters i think i've got good action scenes i think i'm ready to go with it so it's probably going to take me about a year to get the whole thing done uh but uh start looking out for that uh for little posts about that hopefully by around christmas time um to be able to start promoting and getting that out also
0: say, and, and it'll be easier for me. I do follow you across everything right now. And I try to stay up to date on it. And I will have reviews up finally once I get my own stuff together here a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> sure. uh, for all of the books I already picked up. And I got a feeling there will be more coming my way here <laughs>
1: eventually. Awesome. That's yeah. great. I appreciate that. Yeah, Any social media, if you type in Correct Hand of Comics, I'll probably pop up.
0: I, I i will agree with that one um i actually for mine i i as far as correct and then everything comes up awesome. on any social media
1: awesome all right
0: david thank you so so much for being guest today uh i think the listeners are gonna enjoy the heck out of this one and i'm really hoping that it gets more eyes and and maybe more dollars over to your stuff <laughs>
1: <laughs> i hope so kevin thank you very much for having me on i really appreciate it look forward to talking to you in the future
0: all right have a good night david all thank right you all
1: well, sir